Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Gotta Watch the Time Cause It's Flying Right By edition. As the Bengals look to finish the year with a winning record as they end the season against the Cleveland Browns. Coming up, I'll talk to DJ Reader about his injury and his status going forward. I'll look back at the season with the greatest Bengal of them all, Anthony Munoz. And in this week's Know the Foe conversation, we'll get the skinny on the Browns with longtime Cleveland reporter Tony Grossi. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Bengals locker room. As another season winds down, I want to take a moment to thank Bengals players and coaches for their cooperation throughout the year. They've joined us at Cincinnati area bars and restaurants for our radio shows, sat down with me for extended fun facts and podcast interviews, and answered questions in the locker room after games, regardless of the outcome. As Dave Lapham likes to say, the Bengals have assembled a locker room with a jerk factor of zero. Now, let's get to my first guest. When DJ Reader suffered a torn right quad tendon in Game 14 against the Vikings, it was eerily similar to the injury he suffered to his left leg in 2020. DJ obviously made a full recovery then and vows to do it again, but with the uncertainty about where he's going to be playing next year. I talked to him about that this week. DJ, you seem to be in very good spirits. Is that the case? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, as good as it's going to get. Um, I think I generally have a pretty, pretty good attitude about these type of things. So, you know, it's going good and moving around around the guys. So it's always a good time. How does this compare to the previous time you suffered a, a similar injury? Oh, we were in the middle of COVID last time. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you get used to the isolation and you down. It's kind of... A little bit more depressing. This time, you know, the world's a little bit more open, families around, so it's a lot easier to make adjustments, get things done. And uh, I kind of like the fact that I got to stay here this time. This is a place I'm comfortable with, coming in, working with the staff, those people, you know what I'm saying? So it's always awesome to have, like, people that you're comfortable with now. Like, that first year, I wasn't comfortable with anybody, so, you know, I had to go back to Houston and then do the center third and blase blase. It's just a lot of moving around that didn't make me feel great at the beginning. So um, this time, you know, it's been it's been awesome. The fact that you came back and were as good or better than ever, does that give you a lot of confidence that you are going to be the same player next year? Oh, I'll be better. I'll be better than I was. Um, that's, that's a yearly progression, you know, that I take um, mentally anyway. I don't, I don't have any doubt that I'll prepare and, you know, be back um, from a mental and physical standpoint. Just Lord willing, just how fast that process goes, I don't know. I don't know I'm going to push it every day and, do my best to get better every day and take every step to do the right things to put myself in advantage. But, you know, I still think I'll be a better player next year. We're visiting with DJ Reader. I don't know how much stock you put in PFF rankings, but you are the Bengals' highest-graded defensive player this year, even a little bit ahead of Trey Hendrickson, who's obviously had a great season. Did you feel like you were playing as well as you played? Well, I felt like I was playing some good ball. Um, you know, you have those games where you obviously feel better than others, and 
feel like I was doing a really good job, and though I didn't have really the numbers I wanted pass rush wise, I feel like I got a lot of pressure this year. Uh, I won a lot of one on one reps, especially. Um, so I was pretty excited about just what I had done. You know, the numbers they'll come and whatever they are. I just felt like I put a good resume on it. It did kind of suck that we weren't as good on team run defense and certain things. And I really take pride in those things. But I also know that, you know, there's other people out there and those people have to grow. And with growth will come more team success in those type of spots. So, um, but, you know, I can do better. I can play things better and do a whole lot of stuff better. So, you know, there's so much room for growth and improvement in my game. And uh, from a team aspect, I think that these young guys are only going to get better in another year in the system. Uh, we play with a lot of year one or two year players out there, especially in the back end. And those fits will only get better. So um, I was excited. I felt like yeah. So I felt like I was playing good ball, and it was good to you know to have the run we did and just play around the way we did with the group that I had. I felt like we were very fiery in a lot of moments. For a layman like me. The struggles in the run defense are hard to understand because most of the front seven was back. It seemed like this was a group that was among yeah, the yeah. NFL's best last year, and yet this year from the very beginning it was a struggle. Yeah, but there's also other parts to fit and run. Like it, Teams who run the ball well aren't just going to let you play it with your front seven. They're going to make every player on your team tackle and every player on your team and, and just see the fits. You know what I'm saying? And, and you lose what you did. Um, just veteran play, just understanding of the game, and just where our defense acts, it fits a little bit different. So you got to figure it out. You're thinking a little bit more. And it, it is what it is. It's nobody's fault. It's just the growth and growing pains of what come with the game. And you can say what you want about having it be on specific guys. We just got to do better. Uh, we got to do better up front. The front seven has to do better to make it a little bit clearer for these guys in the back end. But you know, you also just got to know that that's going to happen. Man. People are going to have two struggles when it comes to those type of things. And it, also, it all works hand in hand. You, know, you can't, it's hard to stop it and just be dominant over all the time if it's not working. And I feel like at the end of the season, you know, those games prior to when I got hurt, I felt like we got a couple games in a row. We had really figured out those fits and like understood what it takes. And, you know, that's what happens. You, you have those bright spots, and then over time, you make enough of those plays where you're like, all right, this is what it is. The timing of your injury was brutal. Late in a contract year, I know that really bummed out your teammates and your coaches. How tough was that for you emotionally? Um, you know, it's tough, especially at the beginning, emotionally. Um, then you got to kind of like process it as it is what it is. You never know what happened, how it shakes out. So it's not really something that's in my control now. You know, I feel like I put some good film out there, play good ball. Um, and you always want to be able to finish the season healthy and be able to have all those cards in your hand. But I feel like I hold some still pretty good cards and feel really good about where I'm at and my chance to recover and be better, like I said. So, you know, now to be on me and them and to figure it out and or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, it sucks because you miss out on some personal things that you may want. But, you know, other than that, it, it just is what it is. I feel like, you know, I, I come back, I do what I'm supposed to do. I'll... I'll figure all the other part out. You'll be 30 in July. It doesn't yeah. seem like there's any doubt in your mind that you are going to be playing in the NFL next year and beyond. Yeah, no, it's not. I was, I, I'm watching guys play at like 34, 35, playing good ball, shoot the quarterbacks. seem like they're getting younger the older they get these guys out there, especially like Stafford. You look at that guy <laughs> going crazy. But, you know, you know, you got played a lot of good ball, still feel young. Um, like you said, I'll just, just be turning 30 in July, so – like I still got some good time ahead of me. Um, you know, I'm just still excited to play. I feel like I still got some of my best years still ahead, but, you know, only time will tell with that. 
was a really strange year. Everybody expected the Bengals to be one of the top two or three teams in the NFL. Joe gets hurt on the second day of training camp, and it just seemed like it was a scramble to try to get where you wanted to be from the very beginning. Yeah, uh, and that's just the way the ball rolls sometimes, you know. I think that's just it. You, know, you come in with certain expectations, and you meet adversity, and you never know what that adversity is going to be. Uh, you just got to overcome it. I feel like, you know, we're on our way to overcome it, and some things you just can't overcome exactly. But, you know, I still feel like we gave ourselves a chance to play some good ball. Jake came in there tore it up. Guys on your gun guys came in there, did the thing. So you can't look at it as a wash. You just look at it as, you know, we had opportunity to grow. Season was still good. There's only certain amount of team made the playoffs anyway. You always want to be in that group. But it's just the way the cookies crumble sometimes, man. You have been an awesome Bengal, one of the best free agents the franchise has ever signed. And from a selfish perspective, I hope there's another Cincinnati contract to come. Best of luck in rehab, and I appreciate the time. Man, me too. I appreciate it, bro. I'm not alone in hoping that DJ will return to the Bengals. Here's defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. I'd love to have DJ back. You know, love everything about him. He's such a big influence in the locker room. Uh, He's such a big influence on our defense and has done so many great things for the city, the community, and our team, um, you know, be, we'd really like to get him back if we can. I mentioned DJ's high grades from Pro Football Focus. His overall grade is 82.2, and for sake of comparison, all pro Chris Jones of the Chiefs is at 82.8. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, Designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Sam Hubbard is wrapping up season number six in Cincinnati, and he has seen it all. He's been on a team that started 0-11, and he's been on a team that was less than two minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. Sam says that finishing this season with a winning record is a significant goal on Sunday, even if it's not what they were shooting for to begin the season. Yeah, obviously we expected to be here playing for seeding, playing for the playoffs, but that's not how it worked out. Um, and it's unfortunate. You know, we put in the work. We, we fought hard for a long season, and we came up short, but we still got uh, one more game left to finish with a winning season, and that's important to us. It's important to the fans. So we're going to go out there and fight hard. How about trying to get an AFC North win? Yeah, we want that too. That's huge for us, especially against a a rival like the Browns. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to finish the season on the high note. I know we finished in 2019 with the home win against the Browns. And uh, we went 2-14 that year, but that was really good momentum going into the offseason. It was a strange year. Expectations were so high. And from the very beginning, it just didn't seem like things were going to fall your way. Yeah, it was a it was a different it was a strange year, like you said, from Joe going down early in training camp, um, all types of stuff happening. You know, you just name all the things that happen. It seems like just crazy, but that's the life in the NFL. That's every year is going to go not how you draw it up, how you expect it, and that's uh, what we signed up for. Guys always leave at the end of the year, whether it's free agency, whatever. Is there a feeling of this might be the last time this group of guys gets to play together? I think everyone knows now that it's there's no playoffs. This is the last week together, so we're going to enjoy each other. 
enjoy the locker room we have, the time we have, because no matter what, things are going to change next year. Every year it's a totally different team. That's just how it goes. So I think guys understand that are going to, uh, you know, take this time to, to enjoy each other and work hard together. I think there was a five-game stretch where Joe was fully healthy, beat some of the best teams in the NFL. Do you leave the season feeling okay when he's back? This is still one of the NFL's best teams? Yeah, no doubt. Like the, like you said, that stretch, we were playing some really, really good football in the middle of the year, and um, you know it's all about playing the best football at the right time of the year. This year we played it in the middle of the season when we need to be playing it at the end of the year. And, um, yeah, we have all the, all the confidence in the world in the guys we have in this locker room when we're all together. So um, getting him back is obviously key, and he's well on his way. So I know this year is not what we all drew up. And for me, this offseason, all I'm going to be thinking about is trying to get back to where we were the last two years and finishing the job. So I think a lot of guys have that mindset too. To put the 2023 season in perspective, I caught up with the greatest Bengal of all time this week, Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. What do you think they're playing for against Cleveland on Sunday? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, interstate rivalry, pride, uh, and just to have a positive feeling in your mouth when you head into the offseason to get ready. You know, it's that last game is always the one that's going to give you a sour taste or say, hey, we finished on a good note. Let's build on it. There have been positives this year, and one of the biggest is that they know definitively that they have a good backup quarterback in Jake Browning. What did he show you in the last month and a half? He wasn't rattled, uh, you know, and I like that with the young guy. When you come in uh, and you know you're filling in some big shoes and you just aren't rattled, uh, and he showed me his smarts, I mean, uh, and being able to just play within the system. And I, and that was the good thing about it. You know, you talk about a backup and that's always nice to have, especially when you have someone, uh, the caliber of Joe, uh, you never know what's going to happen and you get Jake coming in and he does pretty well. So I was happy to see that. So many things have to go right for a team to win a Super Bowl. And for this season, for the Bengals, the adversity started on day two of training camp when Joe Burrow strained his calf how difficult is that for a professional football player when you're riding that roller coaster all season long? I think it makes it even more difficult when it's the most important player on your team. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's a man. I tell you what, you know, and, and I'm sure uh, when that happened, uh, you know, I talked about it earlier uh, when that happened, it was kind of like, oh, even though you knew he was going to be back, you just hate to see that at the beginning of the season with such high expectations. Uh, and first of all, you know, for me, in my humble opinion, you know, things are going to get started slowly anyway, because of just the, the nature of the beast, not playing any preseason, you have to work your way into it. Now you have, uh, you know, Joe not there, that's going to add to it. So, uh, you know, it, it was sad to see. And then all of a sudden you see him coming on uh, and things are getting better. And then you see the thing with the wrist. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things you, know, you talk about the last game of the season. Let's let's wipe that out. Let's rehab. And let's get back healthy and get rolling for 2024. As we take stock of this season and look ahead to 2024, what are some areas that you would like to prioritize for this team to reach its potential going forward? Well, first of all, if we could just talk about backup again, you know, you talk about Jake Brown and let's talk about Chase Brown. I mean, the kid and I, you know, I tell people you can see somewhat of a guys can do in the preseason 
But the way he he played, I thought that was great, not only for the team, but I thought it was excellent for for Joe Mixon. You know, having someone nipping at his heels there doing pretty well. So, uh, you know, again, you talk about Jake being a backup, and I was impressed with Chase Brown, uh, where, you know, we look look for in the, you know, in the offseason as far as the team. You know, I, I think maybe, uh, again, it's an area that uh, was overhauled. I think we still need to, to continue to work on that offensive line. I think uh, to really – and for me, it's more consistency. I think we have individuals that are capable of doing it. But I think it's it's consistency, uh, you know, and, and someone that gets a little uh, frustrated at times with kind of the state of what's going on. I'm thinking you got a 340 pound left tackle. You've got a big old man at left guard. There's got to be a way just to get under center and just come off the football at times. Uh, but I understand that the pass is big now in the NFL. And I, I understand the pass is big with our Cincinnati Bengals. But you still look at teams that, you know, win championships, win football games. They're not in a two-point stance all the time, uh, and they're they're getting after it. Uh, you know, if it's putting two guys behind the quarterback and, and getting ten guys pushing your quarterback on third and one or fourth and one, you know, that the Eagles have brought to surface, do that. But I, I'd have to say that's probably one of the areas that I would love to see more consistency and, and come along with is, uh, yeah, let's keep throwing the football but when it's time to run the football, let's be physical and make the defense pay for it. Let me follow up on that big left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., because you two had a memorable Zoom chat prior to the season. And I know he considers it an honor to play your former position. What did you think of Orlando in his first year in a Bengals uniform? I enjoyed watching him. You know, if there's in, and I always look and I love to give all the positives. So I love watching. If there's just one area where I would say, you know, again, as an offensive line, is just pad level a little lower for big. You know, he's a big man. And I understand when you're 6'8", it's tougher to get low compared to a guy that's 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". But if there's anything that I would say is just pad level a little lower, uh, but I enjoyed watching him. I, you know, I thought the, the enthusiasm he played with was contagious. Uh, I love what we have up front. It's just, again, I can't say it enough. The word that's stuck in, is stuck in my mind right now is consistency. Not overhaul the whole thing, but just getting a little more consistent. So, Anthony, the season ends against the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals are 0-5 against the AFC North. They're 8-3 against everybody else. They didn't have a healthy Joe Burrow for four quarters in any of those AFC North games. Is it that simple, or were there other things about the games against Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh that stood out to you? I mean, that's part of it. But again, I'm going to get back to the physicality of football games. I really believe when we played those games, it appeared that those teams were a little more physical than we were. Uh, they might have not necessarily um, wasn't a fact, but it appeared watching that they they might wanted it a little more. Uh, and I think it's apparent, and this is one of the parts of the games that I do not like, and being a former offensive football player, it appears it happens more on defense. I'm not profiling or I'm not generalizing, but there's a little shove now and then after plays, and it comes more from the defense. I think there was a little more of that, and I think you have to put a stop to that, not to get a penalty because, as we know, the second guy is always caught. But you can't allow a team to do that. To me, it appears that those three divisional teams have a tendency to do that, and uh, we got to be on the other end of that. And I think maybe there was just – maybe a little more quickness to the ball, maybe a little more physical, but that's 
you know, that's a fine line. And that's, to me, that is something that can be resurrected. I mean, rectified. It's not something like, oh my goodness, we can't, we can't compete with these guys. We can, and I know we can. So beginning next week, everybody's attention is going to turn to the draft and free agency. Is there something at the top of the wish list, a dynamic tight end, somebody on the offensive or defensive line? Is there a, a position group or something along those lines that you would love to see them address? You know what? I think it's something that, uh, and I know we have some pretty good tight ends, but I want a dominant guy that that you have to be able, be able to say, okay, we're concerned about this stud tight end. He's, he's a factor in this game. And I think when you look at teams that have that, impactful tight end it gives the other guys an opportunity you know to go one-on-one -on -one or to you know pick your poison who are you going to double team so I think if there's that tight end that we can say man this is a guy that we can bring in and you know he's going to be a pretty good blocker but he occupies the big area that middle of the football field uh, I think that's one area that maybe I would say I, I think I'd look there You've got your Hall of Fame sweatshirt on. Bengals fans are thrilled this past offseason when Ken Riley uh, joined you in Canton. Now Willie Anderson is a semifinalist for the third year in a row. What do you think of Big Willie's chances of becoming a Hall of Famer? I think it's an excellent chance, especially with the percentages when you've become a finalist. Uh, and I know he's been a finalist, so I'm just I'm praying for more, more Bengals stripes. Willie Anderson, Kenny Anderson. You know, because I want to buy more, you know, one of the first things I did, I got my Kenny Riley hat. I got my Kenny Riley shirt. I want to get my 71 jersey. I want to get my 14. Well, I already have my 14 jersey. Just put it back on. But I, I think he's got an excellent chance of going in. I look at the list, uh, the career he had. And again, the percentages of those that have been finalists of going in, I think he has an excellent chance. So maybe we have another bus or two uh, driving up to Canton in August this summer. That would obviously be awesome. Last thing for Anthony Munoz, last year, Joe Burrow famously said, the Super Bowl window is my entire career. And now he's signed with the Bengals through 2029, at least, hopefully many years beyond that. In your mind, do they go right back to being one of the top Super Bowl contenders next year when Joe's healthy? I think so. I think, um, you know, again, I've not looked closely on the free agents or who they are gonna might lose, but with what, what they have on the roster, I really believe they're very talented. And I think that uh, they still are one of the contenders. I think he comes back healthy. They get rolling. Uh, things go well in the offseason. I can't believe that they wouldn't be with who they have on their roster. So in my humble opinion, not only because I'm a former Cincinnati Bengals football player, because I watch the teams, I think they are one of the top, top teams in the league. Always great to pick your brain. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan, always a pleasure to be with you. Happy New Year. And August will come quickly. Finally, it's time for this week's Know the Foe segment. The Cleveland Browns open the season with a 24-3 win over the Bengals on a rainy day in Cleveland that saw Cincinnati finish with 142 yards of offense and a total of six first downs. I said after that game that the Browns' defense was so good that if Cleveland got decent quarterback play, the Browns would be a contender in the AFC. Well, I was right, but little did I realize that 38-year-old Joe Flacco would turn out to be the quarterback. The Bengals won't see Flacco on Sunday. Kevin Stefanski is resting as many starters as possible since Cleveland is locked in as the number five playoff seed in the AFC. 
For more on the 11-5 Browns, longtime Cleveland reporter Tony Grossi joined Dave Lappam and me on the Bengals Game Plan Show. Here's my question for you. How long have you covered the Browns, and is this the most remarkable season you have witnessed <laughs> in that time? Yeah, I have covered them, I think, before Dave Lapham was even drafted, it seems, <laughs> that long. That's a while I, ago, I Tony. I interviewed him at the Combine somewhere. Yes, I yes, yes. Uh, um, yeah, it's been a blast because it, it's it's been, uh, you know, like kind of the drama has been on the field this year as opposed to off the field. Hmm. And and they've gotten better with every piece of adversity, and and now the Joe Flacco story is just unbelievable. What's going on? So uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a blast, and finally uh, the Browns are in, and the Bengals are the team that uh, is playing out the string. Tony, it, th- this this is nuts to me. The, the Browns have thirty five giveaways dead last in the NFL. Yeah, twenty more giveaways than the Bengals. The Bengals have fifteen giveaways, tied for third fewest. The, the Browns have had six return touchdowns against them, most in the NFL. Four pick sixes tied for most in the NFL. How the hell did they have 11 wins? You'd think they'd be 5-11 and 11 instead of 11-5. and five. I, I know. I mean, this this is one for the uh, – this season is defying all analytics. They keep harping about, uh, uh, you know, turnovers, and they keep on – turning it over and they keep on winning right. and Flacco in five games has thrown those two pick sixes. He hasn't had an interception free game yet. And yet he looks like he's, uh, you know, in the prime of his career, the right. way he's gunning the ball down the field. Right. I don't know how to explain any of it. I mean, their defense is excellent. It, it, it's, it's kind of played out of a, a, a mini slump and it's playing, it's humming pretty well. Um, they're they're well coached on you know, they've got now, I think they hidden reason it's a small reason but their special teams are so much better they don't lose games on special teams I mean they're they're, they're a complete team for the first time in a long time. So Kevin Stefanski has made it abundantly clear he's going to try to rest as many key players as he can. Understandably going into the postseason. Here's my question though: Why Jeff Driscoll and not PJ yeah. Walker? I think he wanted the nail down coach of the year by winning a game with a fifth quarterback. <laughs> That's only been done, as far as we can tell, in the strike season of 1987. New England won with five quarterbacks. One was Doug Flutie, who crossed the picket line to get a cheap win. Another one was one of their strike replacement uh, players. Uh, I, th- I think what it is, is it's an opportunity for them to see if he's better than P.J. Walker. They're a little uncomfortable with P.J. Walker as the backup. Uh, he he was a turnover machine. He he did win two games miraculously. Uh, I think Van Pelt has some exposure to Driscoll. And he's the first quarterback to start for both teams in the Battle of Ohio. You right. guys knew that, I'm sure. Right. That's crazy. So, uh, I, 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 was st- I was shocked by his announcement today. Uh, it was, it was uh, we knew, you know, he was going to rest a lot of guys, but Driscoll just joined them last week and they needed a third quarterback because their rookie uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is on uh, injured reserve uh, with, with an injury. So um, I guess it's a, it's a cheap way of seeing 
you know, what he can drink because he's not going to get much practice time once they go into playoff mode. All right. Okay, so the injury report comes out. 17 players are on it, eight offense, seven defense, and both your kickers, your place kicker and your punter, um, mm-hmm. foreshadowing, you know, what's going to be coming. How many people do you think they're going to elevate from the practice squad? Do you think that anybody will get um, a couple of series before they're yanked, or what do you think is going to happen? Well, first of all, the punter will be back. Uh, has, uh he had a quad injury, missed the Jets game, but they – they cut the practice squad punter. So, and I talked to Corey. He'll he'll be back. Okay. Uh, the kick kicker's still not ready. So, so they one elevation will go to the to the practice squad kicker Riley Patterson. He's going to have to kick. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I I think now Stefanski would not specify who's playing and who's not. Other than we know Flacco's not playing, uh, but I think he's going to clear the deck. Uh, to, to the most of the familiar names, he, you know, it's not like preseason where you have 90 players and you could you could start all your second and third string. Right. You can't do that. Right. But I, I think anybody who's on that list with an injury, uh, even though they didn't practice, uh, it, they'll, they'll be okay for the playoffs. So we're going to see a lot of uh, backups in this game. Uh, but there are certain position groups where. Uh, you know, running back, uh, Kareem Hunt might not play, but but you only got two other guys there. You know, uh, Jerome Ford, their leading rusher, and Pierre Strong, who's got a lot of play time. So there'll be some position groups where there'll be familiar names. Hmm. Tony Grossi is our guest. Both of these franchises, Tony, have quarterbacks who have uh, among the, the biggest contracts in the NFL. When hmm. does the Deshaun Watson deal make it difficult for the Browns from a cap per, cap perspective? Every year, because what's unique about his deal being totally guaranteed, there there are no shortcuts. Uh, like Mahomes, you know, I think Burrow has certain years where you can, where you can allocate resources differently. Uh, that's not the case with this one. I, they've, they redid them this year, which means they push money forward. So he's got a $68 million cap hit next year. Uh, I don't know if they could support that whole thing. They're going to have to push that forward. At some point in the five-year deal, and he's been with them two years, they're going to have to suck it up and take his full cap charge, whether it's next year or the year after, I don't know. But you can't keep moving it in. They'll be paying on him till you know, till the cows come home if they do that. So it's going to take effect. There's a couple players that uh, is going to be tricky whether they can bring him back or not as a result of it. Tony, Jim Schwartz is, has just done an unbelievable job. I mean, the defense is, is just suffocating. I mean, they are playing at such a high level. Yeah. Is, is, he, is there any buzz about him in the loop for a head coaching opportunity? They say there's going to be potentially, you know, half a dozen, seven or eight. Well, they, the the day they hired him, I said he'd have the most impact of any new face in the building, and and he made me look good because yeah. he has he has done that. He he transformed their their culture on defense. Um, I don't know, you know, he's in our age group a little bit there. Yeah, he's over fifty, and uh, uh, the trend still looks like it's going to be offensive coaches. Um, who knows if he gets. You know, if they get the, a long ride into the playoffs, uh, he he might get a look. Uh, there, there was a recent uh, older defensive coach 
fired recently. I'm trying to recall his name. Uh, so, I mean, it's not out of the realm that he would, but I'm not getting that vibe right now. But if they, you know, one or two years in, in the AFC championship picture, and he's going to get a look, I would think. And final question, and thanks for your time as always. You're always gracious, and we appreciate that. Kevin Stefanski, is he coach of the year, and is Jim Schwartz assistant coach of the year? Well, the second question, you know, the secret to this team is Bill Callahan. There's no doubt about mm. it. I mean, they're, uh-huh. they're on their third left tackle, their, or their third right tackle, their second left tackle. They've had to play with another center. They've The only one who hasn't missed a game is the right guard, Wyatt Teller, and they haven't missed a beat. Um, So uh, I don't want to be remiss in not mentioning him. Um, Now, coach of the year, uh, it's got to be between him and Dan Campbell. Now, Dan Campbell, I mean, he's lifted the Titanic out of Lake Michigan by winning that division (laughs) for the first time in 30 years. I I don't want – you know, that's not a, a small accomplishment. They should have an AFC and an NFC coach of the year. But I'll, I'll tell you, if I were voting, I would vote for Stefanski because I lived through this thing. He won games with P.J. Walker, Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, and, and, and the rookie won, might have been the biggest game when they played Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh because you know what those division games mean. Yeah. And they needed that game, and they just they just outlasted Pittsburgh. You know? And then, he, then Flacco has just won four in a row. That's I'm unreal. Tell you, if he wins with Driscoll, oh. <laughs> how can you deny it? I know. It's crazy. There's an excellent point about Bill Callahan, though, and I do think Bill needs to spend more time with his son and his grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> Give him some tips or what, you know? Um, yeah, they, he's been awesome. I mean, that line has been the secret to everything. Now, you know, we didn't even mention it. They haven't had Nick Chubb since week two. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, and, and yet they, they reached what everyone, you know, even the most optimistic prognosticators maybe said, I think they could get to 11 wins. I didn't, but that, considering what they've gone through, it's, it's remarkable. And it's made them stronger. It's one of those things that you couldn't predict. Our thanks to Tony Grossi, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast. Brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast. 